Okay, turn your Bibles. That is Galatians 3. Galatians 3. It's good to see everybody here. You know, if you're a part of our church and you're connected to people, um, we had an array of emotions in the last seven, eight days. And so we had a, a wedding, which was a blessing. And we had a funeral um, that was very difficult. We had sickness and we had vacations and we had all kinds of things going on in the midst of our church family in the last seven, eight days. And Paul walks into that space. And so no matter if you are in the wedding or vacation season of life or you're in the funeral, death and sickness season of life, life is not going to slow down for any of us. Believer, lost, preacher, drug dealer, God is going to continue to send life at the exact same speed that life moves. And Paul knows this and he understands the challenges of just being alive and he walks into this space and he wants these people of Galatia to have assurance. He wants them to have peace. He wants them to be able to put their head on the pillow at night and rest well concerning their eternity. I said in a funeral this week that for all of us, no matter who you are, death is inevitable. It will be a path all of us walk at some point in life. Paul knows this, and he looks at the people, and he says, listen, I'm not talking to you about raising kids or marriage or money or good behavior. I am talking about forever. So Paul has a mission. Paul is going to these people. He writes a letter exposing a false gospel, exposing false teachers that are pouring into people a gospel which does not save which leads people to Matthew 7. If you don't remember Matthew 7, we've referenced it every single week. Lord, didn't I? Didn't I do this? And didn't I do that? And, and he says, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness, check boxes. So the best way, just like a court scene, the best way to expose something that is false is to do it with truth. So Paul comes in, he says, I'm going to expose what these people are saying to you that's going to lead you to confusion and hurt, no assurance or peace and damnation. I'm going to come at you with truth in the gospel. I'm going to have to reteach, Paul says, because I want you to be assured. So he asked a question in chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. In some form or fashion, and the same question I'm going to ask you today is, are you saved? Are you saved? And if so, what does your salvation point to? Are you saved? And if so, what does your salvation point to? Most of you would say, Hunter, God if I stopped you in the hallway and I do this all the time, I don't ask you if you're saved, but I usually say, how's life or what are you hearing? And you always think I'm asking some kind of trick question, like you're trying to impress me. I'm just saying like what is happening in life. But if I pulled you aside and I said, are you saved? 
most of you would say, yes. And I'd say, how? And you go, well, God. Yes. God saves. But understand, the people of Matthew 7 would have also said yes, and they would have also said God. If I would have said, hey, listen, for the people in this room, David prayed, I I hope someone is lost. Here's the reality. 100 to 99% of you believe that you are saved. So do the people of Matthew 7. What does your salvation point to? The people of Matthew 7, I'm saved by God. I was baptized and I went through confirmation. Check, 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 check. I was sprinkled as an infant. I I did all of these things. I went to church. I gave 10%. I sang when he told me to sing, right? And Paul says what? That is good behavior. I'm glad you come to church. I'm glad you don't fall asleep when the man is preaching. I'm glad you give some money. I'm glad you go to Sunday school. I'm glad you get on planes and go to other countries. I am happy you do all of those things, but they will not save you, right? Today, we are not talking about good Christian living. We're talking about eternity. Are you saved? And if so, what would you say it is how? Why? What does it point to? What Paul does in chapter 3, he slowly sits with us in many verses. Ryan started us off, and he starts to differentiate. He starts to separate the check boxes to damnation and the faith to salvation. That's what he does. He sits with us, and he says, listen, I want you to understand because it's such a finite point, and so many of you are confused. There's going to be the slight of a hair difference between the person who is in eternity and the person of Matthew 7, and I want you to understand. It's essential. It's essential that we understand how we are saved, not only how we are saved, but what we are pouring into the people that we love around us. I've said this many times in life. How awful would it be if you learned that you were pouring in a false gospel to the ones that you love? How awful would it be if you found out that, listen, I was pouring in and I was teaching my children such a way that was actually leading to their damnation. How would that destroy your mind? What does your salvation point to? Kids, listen to me. If you are not saved and you're asking questions and you're trying to understand faith and grace and baptism and what does all of this mean, hang on the words as we Really hammer home the gospel in chapter 3, starting this morning with verse 10. So remember what Paul is doing. He's walking into this space of high moments and low moments and questions and confusion and false teachers. He's reteaching and he walks into this moment and he wants them to know the difference between the false and the true gospel. So look at verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Will you highlight curse or underline it? Curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith alone. Yet, The law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Now, highlight verse 13. This is the good news. 
Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Will you highlight that? It's the gospel right there, verse 13. Jesus Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become the curse for us, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Here's the truth when it comes to the law, commands, good church, Christian living, and checkboxes. Checkboxes will not save you, but when you really look at the heart of it, they sure do make us feel better. Like check boxes, the law, why does man continue to drift to that type legalism type lifestyle? Do you know why? Because it makes us feel better. It will not save you. I believe you know it will not save you. But when we have check boxes in front of us, it makes us feel like we are what? In control. Like, I don't know how to put this bike together. I couldn't even guess, but I got directions. And because I got directions, I feel a little bit more equipped. So yes, I believe in God. I don't believe we came from monkeys. Yes, I want to go to heaven. Yes, I've been baptized. Yes, I was sprinkled. Yes, I do go to church. Yes, I do give 10%. You start going through all those check boxes and what do they do? Ah, I feel better. I feel better that I've done all of those things. Check boxes make us feel more comfortable because we are in control, because it's me focused. It is textbooks. It is streamlined. I believe I want heaven, I agree to church. And Paul says, listen, it might make you feel better, but this is actually a curse. The directions that you have, I know that you feel spiritually that this helps you get closer and right with God, but listen to what he says. I told you to highlight. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Paul goes, listen, your check boxes, the law that you live under, what you believe is going to create salvation, it is actually a weight on you. Why? Because it is impossible to live under the umbrella of perfection. The law results in you being Savior because you did all of these things. I have saved myself, but here's the bad news. You are also the reason that you fall, and all of you will fall. If you said, man, I got to do fill in the blank to get right with God, Paul says you will never be able to achieve such an an accomplishment. Do any of you want to stand before God at the end of your life with your accomplishments? Any of you? Listen to me. Not only does grace save, but you and I should desperately want it. Do you want to live exhaustingly in a life striving for something that can't be achieved? In verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming the curse for us. Christ hung so you and I wouldn't. And Paul says in all six chapters, why would you go back to check boxes? Like, why would you go back here? Do you know why? Because it makes us feel better. It makes us feel better. I know if I'm going to be a good husband, I need to get her flowers on Valentine's Day, and that is my check to being good. It means I'm a good husband. If 
I take my kids to Florida and I get my wife roses and I show up on Sunday, I am going to be right with my wife, with my kids, and my God. And Paul goes, that is going to lead you to hell, even though it makes you feel better. Salvation comes from putting our belief, our trust, our faith in Christ alone, and that is the only way someone is saved. Look at Romans. This is the only time I'll have you flip. Look at Romans 8. Kids, flip with me. Romans 8. We'll take our time. Christ has taken our check boxes away And Paul says, why would you keep going back to them? Look at chapter 8 in Romans verse 1. I want you to see it. And you just highlight as I talk. Paul also says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me, what? Free. Free from the law, not the curse, right? Free from it, of the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On the account of sin, he condemned the sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Hang with me. One more verse in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the spirits. Salvation, the assurance of our faith, depends where our salvation points. Does it point towards what you've accomplished, what you have done, the check boxes that you've checked, or does it point towards your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished on the cross? And all of you, 100%, hang on this, would say amen. Yes, Hunter, I believe what you're saying, but this is what I say to you this morning, and I think this is what's so interesting about the book of Galatians. I would say, do you? Do you believe that? You say, of course I believe that. Like, I wouldn't be here if I didn't think that I was saved by the cross. Do you? Do you know how many times I will speak to somebody and I'll say, well, hey, David is... Garrett, is Jeremy, is Sue, is Sam, is Hunter, are they a Christian? And do you know how many times people go, well, yeah, I mean, you know, they go to church. You ever heard that? Well, yeah, they they go to church. They were raised in church. What does that even mean? I didn't ask you if they went to church. That's Matthew 7. Like, didn't I go to church? I said, are they saved? Are they a follower? Are they born again, ready for eternity, Christian? And you go, yes, they go to church on Sunday. That's what you say. And we see it from adults that are in church that know the Lord all the way from kids. My boys right now, we're in this space that one of the most questions that I get in my life are, are these strangers that I don't know, are they Christians? So we'll be watching the Lakers play, and London will go, hey, is LeBron a Christian? And I was like, I don't know, buddy. I have no idea. 
We were watching a game last night in the quarterback for Ole Miss. I think some of you guys are going to say no, but I think he is. I think he is. They saw some cross tattoos on his, his arm. And we go into a 10-minute conversation of like, well, he must be the most sold-out believer in the universe. We'll see a movie or someone will be kind to him. We'll go through McDonald's and the person will go, hey, here's an extra fry. And my kids will go, well, they must be Christians. Right? Why? Because we equate good behavior with the destination we desire. How could anyone be kind or rich or sweet or hardworking and go to hell? And so you say, amen, Hunter. Yes, I believe that. And to where I say, do you? The people of Matthew 7 would have said God and they would have said yes. They would have said amen. There are denominations today as I speak, they are speaking that teach that baptism saves. That is Galatians. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. They say that if you are not saved, if you come to know the Lord and put your trust in him and then have a stroke on the way to the water, that is bad luck, bro. That is the book of Galatians. There are people today that will tell you that not only the baptism saves, but because you are sprinkled as an infant and have no clue what is going on, that you are good to go. And I can say that so confidently because I was immersed and sprinkled. You got nothing on me. Do you know how many people that I've sat with who have been sprinkled as an infant that come to me at age 30 and have no idea even what the word salvation means? And you go, how is that so? Many conversations. you know why? Because they've been told they're good to go since infancy. That's Galatians. Confirmation. Galatians. That is all Jesus plus. So you look at that and go, hey, Hunter, I love the book of Galatians. I understand it, but this is not really an issue in my life to where I say, is it? If I say to you, is David a Christian? Do you know what I want you to say? He loves and put his trust and faith in Jesus Christ. That's what I want you to say. Not he goes to Sunday school and sings. That means nothing. There's going to be a lot of singers in hell. There's going to be a lot of Sunday school teachers in hell. There's going to be a lot of church folks in hell. That is the book of Galatians. I want you to remember the people of Galatia. You remember, they would have said, Paul, chill out. These are such small differences. These are small changes. This is not a heaven or hell issue where Paul would go, yes, it is. Because this is what happens. When your salvation is connected to anything, to the addition of faith, anything to the addition of faith, what those works, what that law does, like a, spiritual, um, like a spiritual artery, it blocks it. And so for so many of us, you and I have been raised not being able to see God's grace because our eyes have always been on what we have to do to get right with God. And you know what, you wanna check that in your life? Just answer the question. What were you raised more on? God's grace 
and his mercy and his goodness are the law of trying to be a good boy or girl in the South to be right with the Lord. Which one did you hear more about? Grace or works? Which one? Works all day. And you go, Hunter, like my parents didn't say the word law. I know they didn't say the word law, but it's basically law. Go to church, stop cursing, help with the grass, be in Sunday school, be baptized. I am so proud of you. And the problem with that is when I am so proud of you, you are the savior and you are the reason that you fall and in Leviticus, it says, if you are gonna live under the law, you will always fall because you will never be good enough. And what Romans tells us, and Paul says, God has hung so you and I would not. Do you see how a book of Galatians could seem very, this is what's so fascinating to me. Let's stop the sermon for a minute. I want you to hear me. I'm so fascinated because I think that so many of us could hear Galatians and think it's very surface level. Yes, Hunter, Jesus saves, I get it. And Paul goes, no, 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 you don't understand. You think you're saved. You see? You think you're saved. The people of Matthew 7, you thought you were saved. But you put your faith and your hope and your trust in something else. And you never knew Jesus. This isn't surface level. This is a message you've probably never heard. Baptism does not save you. Confirmation does not save you. Giving does not save you. Church does not save you. Reading and praying does not save you. A faith and a trust and a belief and a profession of Jesus Christ saves you. And the assurance of our faith depends on where our salvation points. Where would you say, and Celia, there's no reason, you can just hone in, there's no reason to change that slide. We're going all the way to the end, sweetie. What does your salvation point to? What does it point to? Yes, I was raised in church, my dad always read with me, I was baptized, none of that matters. What does your salvation point to? Was there a moment in your life where you put your life and submitted your existence into Christ's hands? That is what saves belief, trust, and faith in Jesus. Paul continues, brothers, I speak to you. Verse 15, we're back in Galatians. Brothers, I speak to you in a manner of men. Do you see what Paul is doing? I told you in the beginning He's trying to separate. He's trying to give room, right? They see small changes. He's trying to separate the law and work and check boxes to faith. He's trying to separate them. He says, brothers, I speak in a manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet is confirmed. No one annuals or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say into the seeds as many, but as one, and to your seed who is Christ. And this I say that the law which was 430 years old cannot subtract the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. Hang with me, church, okay? Verse 18. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer the promise of God. 
But God gave it to Abraham by the promise. Verse 19, I highlighted it. What purpose then does the law serve? What purpose of the law is the law then? So the people hear Paul and they're trying to separate it. He goes, okay, man, listen, I'm, I'm hearing all of this on Sunday from this guy and then you're writing me this letter. I'm trying to remind myself of all the things you told us while you were here. So I'm guessing that the law doesn't matter. That the commands don't matter, that the check boxes don't matter, that, that I can sell drugs to kids in the church or I can sing on Sunday, that we're all going to the same place. All I gotta do is say, I believe that we didn't come from monkeys, right? It doesn't matter what we do or how we live. And Paul says, certainly not. Verse 19, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, speaking of Christ. And it was appointed through angels by the hands of the mediator. Now a mediator does not meditate for only, but God is one. Verse 21, is the law then against the promises of God? Paul says, certainly not. Paul says, certainly not. Boxes that we check, commands that we read and follow, and the law is still important as long as we understand its place and the role that it plays. If you're a note taker, the law is not meant to give us life. It is meant to guide us to better living. And if you're a note taker, let me say it again. The check boxes that you put, they're not evil, they're good. As long as the cart is not in front of the horse. It's good to serve, it's good to give, it's good to be baptized. It is not meant to create life, it's meant to guide behavior. I want you to think about rules in your home. So I got four kids, my, my girls are small, we're just trying to survive with them. And then we have two boys that I expect a little bit more out of. And I have a handful of rules. Some of them are spoken and some of them are not. And so for my boys especially, and I'm starting to tell them to my girls, the three rules um, that will make life very difficult for you if you don't follow is, is this. Number one, take care of one another. So we always tell people in school, like, hey, listen, I'm glad you like that individual. You have fun with that individual. They are not your brother. That is not your sister. You take care of your family. You take up for them. You protect them. You love them. You be kind to them. You stay close, right? So I'm big on that. Number two, do not ever disrespect me or your mother, ever. Like, if you want the hammer quick, roll your eyes at me in my home, Right? And so we tell them, you speak kindly, you speak with respect, you speak like you know the different roles in this home. And then lastly, speak well. We're not cursing in this house. And you know those words that aren't curse words, but they're kind of crude? I don't want those either. Like Wendy might come and karate chop you in the neck if you ever come in my house and say a few things, okay? And so my kids know those rules. They know them very clearly. And for the most part, six out of seven days out of the week, my kids do pretty well on those three. But I want to explain something to you. If my children don't know the why in which they are doing them well, none of it is genuine, worth anything, or will last. So I am constantly looking at my children going, hey, I am glad that you are doing fill in the blank, but do you know why you're doing them? And on many occasions, my kid will say no. Because you told me. 
Because you told me that you would karate chop me in the neck if I did. And listen, there's some goodness in that. But that obedience will dry up one day. If the children are not bought into, understand love, respect, and trust, the reasons behind the rule and the rule maker, none of it is worth anything. And we see the same thing spiritually. Rules, commandments, laws, they map out Christian living, but they do not create the genuineness of a heart change. That's why people will go to hell spending their entire life in church. I don't curse very much at all, Hunter. I've given 11%. I have followed those three rules you told me to do. Still don't know Jesus. Still don't love the Father. You see? So rules are important. After you have been born again and you are given new life, rules guide you to better living, but they will not create a better life. I love talking to adults, young adults, old adults, it doesn't matter. And I'll talk to them about high school years because I got kids getting older. And I love talking to kids or high, uh, adults that lived what I would define as the right path. You didn't live like a heathen. Right? You didn't end up in jail or something of that age. You didn't kill anybody. And I like asking them, like, why? Like, why? Why did you end up this way? How did you get here? What worked? Because I'm a parent. I'm trying to figure it out. What worked? And I usually get three answers. One, somebody will go, Hunter, that was just my personality. I'm a people pleaser. I'm pretty chilled. You know, I don't have, my heart doesn't beat towards just crazy living. So I had no issue staying at home on Saturday night. That's just who I am. That's my personality, right? Well, amen. God bless you. Second answer I get is, listen, I was so scared to death of the karate chop to the neck. Like some of you grew up in homes like, hey, if I showed up at 12.01 instead of 12, like I was going to get whooped, Right? So I was so scared to death of my parents that I had to walk a straight line. And there's some goodness in that. There's some bad things in that too. There's some goodness in that. Healthy fear is not bad. And then there's a third answer. This is always the best one and the one that lasts. Every once in a while, son, this is the one I'm going for. Every once in a while, someone will say to me, you know, Hunter, I had such a love and I had such a respect, and I wanted to please in a good way, and I trusted and understood the rules of my father and my mother so much that like thinking about breaking that trust or breaking that love in any way just hurt me. I wanted to do well. There was fear there. There was punishment. That's healthy. Personality doesn't matter but I wanted to live in the light of the rule maker. Any of you are like that? Like that is the one that's genuine. And that is the one that's long lasting and that is the one that is true. And so what Paul is telling to the people of Galatia, hey, listen, no, I'm not saying dump it all, come in whenever you want, do whatever you want, no, be baptized, give your money, serve in the church, do all of those things, but do them out of the love and the trust and the faith that you have in the Father. I was baptized, why? Because I love God. 
I come to church. Do you know why? Because I want to know more about him. I give and I serve because I want to please him, not to be saved by him. I do those because I am saved. Do you see? More than anything, we need heart changes. We need to remove what blocks our view of grace so we could see it. So for so many of us, we see people in our lives that do not care about the Lord. And we're hanging on to some type of hope that they're saved just because they don't curse his name. But we know in our heart that they're not. And we go, man, if I could just get them to church, right? If I could just get them to care, if they just listen to my words, no, what you should be praying is, God, change their hearts. Because when you have a heart change, this is the best place to be. You ever brought a lost person who doesn't care about the Lord into the arena of God's people? It's not good. This is like listening to a certain type of music that you hate. God changed their hearts, changed their hearts, changed their hearts. And when your heart changes, man, your mind, your eyes, your ears, your voice, your decisions, your priorities, your family, your man, everything changes behind it. The check boxes come, the life comes, it all follows. And Paul says, but listen, don't put this in front of that. If you get them to church, it doesn't mean they're going to be in heaven. Just because you get them to church, it doesn't mean that they're going to be in heaven. Teach grace. Teach faith. Teach trust. Teach Christ. And life will follow. Listen to these last verses before we pray. We're going to finish out three. Is the law then against the promises of God? And Paul would say, certainly not. Exclamation point. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scriptures has confined all under sin that under the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe, not to the ones who do. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, The law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Highlight 26. For my kids that don't understand this and I have lost you, highlight in your Bibles, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. And so you know, verse 28 is a very famous verse, but as a church, as we have spent a month in Galatians, doesn't it hit home so much now that you know the setting. Do you know how powerful those words would have been in that moment? 
like what he was actually coming against and with his words, how they were differing from the people who were teaching during those times. And you have Peter now kind of swaying in his lifestyle. And, all, and Paul walks in and goes, hey, listen, I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care if you're male or female. I don't care if you're Jew or you're Gentile. Christ is the same for all. Do you know how bold that would have been? Like he is a, a bull in a china shop. You go, Hunter, amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? The church of Galatia is in Huntington, Tennessee, and this world as we speak. Do you see grace or do you see law? Which one? Which one does your salvation point to? Are you saved? Are you a Christian? Yes, Hunter, I what? I what? Go to church. No, I trust and put my faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, now rest well. Rest well. Weddings and funerals, rest well. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for your cross. We thank you for your grace. Lord, for so many of us, we've been raised in homes of people who care about us. Churches that that believe that we came from a higher being, that want good things for us. That that is not an argument. I agree with all of those things, but somewhere down the road, we we started to lean towards checkboxes. We lean towards commands to save, and we lean towards law to be right. Man, we have amended our damnation. We have rested well with the uncertainty concerning our eternity and not even known it. We've taught our daughters and our sons and our grandchildren a way to hell. This is serious. God, I pray that if anyone is in this room and they say, Hunter, I don't know God's grace because his law has always blocked it. I have put my faith in what I've done and what I've accomplished and I've been my savior and I am going to be my fall. I am a man or a woman of Matthew 7. If that is your life, if anybody in this room says, that is me. I have not put my trust in my father. Lord, I pray that you save them now. Step forward. I pray that your gospel and your word was so clear in their minds that they can barely stand this morning. I pray that they don't walk to the altar, but they run. I pray that we fill those waters up and we respond in baptism. Not to be saved, but because we are saved. Lord, I pray for all of us that have had parents and churches and members that have pour truth into us. Lord, I pray that we rest well tonight, that we leave here assured, no matter if we're walking down the aisles in funerals or weddings, that we thank the Lord for eternity and salvation, that we don't doubt there is no confusion. I am not Savior. I am not fall, but I am justified by the blood that has been shown by the sacrifice of your Son. I pray that we rest well. In your precious, in your holy name, the church says in harmony, amen.